Philippians chapter 6, verse 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. This is the word of God. Thank you, uh, Dennis, for reading God's word. Let's uh, come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you that as a church family, that we can build our lives on your word, the true, living, eternal word of God. Father, we pray that you speak to our hearts this morning as we look at this topic, spiritual warfare and your armor for us. And we ask that your spirit will do a great work in each of our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, if you're uh, visiting with us this morning, we are working our way through the book of Ephesians. We've been at this book for some time now, and we are coming towards the conclusion of uh, Ephesians, uh, which has been a great encouragement, I trust, for us as we work through, systematically, through God's Word in uh, Ephesians. The pop star Mick Jagger and his Rolling Stones came out with the song, Sympathy for the Devil. Now, I don't know whether many of you have heard that song, but you perhaps uh, know the lyrics of uh, that song. Uh, The song was so popular that it ended up in a film, Blood, Sweat and Tears. And their their Sympathy to the Devil uh, song particularly led uh, from service uh, to Satan to, in fact, the worship of Satan. And so, as we know, Satan worship is around us. There is a place right here in Melbourne that they meet and have these services. I read a newsletter from one such place which began with the words, A healthy hail, H-E-L-L-T-H-Y, hail, to you. And it ended with the words, All hail Satan. Right. So, it is here, around us. Now, sometimes we may think we know what's going on in this big, wide world. 
But it's very possible, friends, that we really don't. The Bible tells us that we are that what we are seeing happening in the world is only part of the story. There is an entire dimension to the battles we face in this world. Like it or not, we are in a war, a very serious spiritual war. And the Apostle Paul speaks about that battle right here in Ephesians chapter 6. This war is a cosmic war. It has mega proportions. It is an all-out spiritual war. And so the Apostle Paul says it. We look in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we are up against cosmic powers of spiritual evil that govern the present darkness of this world. And behind, behind such powers lies Satan. They are spiritual forces of evil, as Paul says here, in the heavenly realms. Not in heaven as in where Jesus is. They are in the sphere of the invisible reality. They are, as one writer puts it, spiritual agents from the very headquarters of evil. They are utterly unscrupulous and ruthless in the pursuit of their malicious designs. They are powerful. They are destructive with the use of their power. They are dangerous in that they are cunning. And so behind these forces, as Paul puts it here in Ephesians chapter 6, as we work our way uh, through this book, we see that Satan... I'm just giving you some other aspects as well. That Satan is sometimes called in the Bible the ruler of this world. Satan is called the God of this world. Second Corinthians. Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians chapter 2. Or a cosmic power over this, this present darkness. Our passage this morning. And Satan is the prince of demons. So do we get the picture here this morning? That's the kind of the, the, the force that we, that, that we are confronted in this world is led by Satan and the Apostle Paul talks about this. And he says in the passage here this morning for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual forces of darkness. So some may ask this morning well, why do we have to fight Satan? Should we not ignore him and pretend that he does not exist? Surely that would be easy. Should we take these cosmic powers of spiritual darkness seriously enough? The answer is yes. How are we to combat and confront such forces? Can we do it by ourselves? No. God's word. God's word gives us the tools, so to speak, to combat Satan and his powers. We come back to the word of God. And this morning, as we continue our series in Ephesians, as I said, we will look at Ephesians 6 verse 10 as our, as our text, which is part, of, part 2 of the message on this topic, which I've titled Spiritual Warfare and God's Armor. Paul says here, God's word tells us, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his 
might. A very powerful statement. Last week we looked at two aspects of it in our, in our passage. And today I want to focus on this, what it means to be strong here in the Lord. And so we look at to, to be strong in the Lord, the first point, and be encouraged in his power, which we see in this passage here this morning. So friends, spiritual warfare involves God, humans, angels, demons, cosmic powers, nations, antichrist. First point, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Why be strong in the Lord? The answer is because we are wrestling against cosmic forces, powers of spiritual of, of spiritual power of evil. Whether you believe it or not, you and I are in a battlefield and we are in spiritual warfare. It happens every day and all the time. Well, what is spiritual warfare? Well, I've tried to come up with a definition which I trust will be helpful as we, as we look at it. Spiritual warfare. I put it this way, spiritual warfare is an ongoing battle waged in this world by the cosmic powers of evil. Lying behind such powers is Satan and his cohorts, the demons. This is a furious, ferocious and real battle raging in the realm of the spirit between the forces of God and the forces of evil. Now you might want to add other definitions to this, but I've tried to put it out this way. To give us generally, I think, an idea of what this spiritual battle is and what Paul and God's word is speaking of here in our passage. Such spiritual warfare is real and we cannot match such powers by ourselves. In fact, uh, John Calvin, the great reformer, put it this way. He means that our difficulties are far greater than if we had to fight against men, where we resist human strength Sword is opposed to sword. Man contends with man. Force is met by force. And skill by skill. But here the case is very different. For our enemies are such as no human power can withstand. Do we see that? See, our human, these are forces of, of great intensity. Our enemies are such that no human power can withstand. And let me give you two accounts, staggering accounts in the Bible, of the spiritual forces of darkness uh, impacting people's lives. One is Job. You know the story of Job? Most of you would know the story of Job. And the other is Peter. Now in Job, Job chapter 1, this very interesting scene we have in the scriptures. If you look in your Bibles, Job, Job chapter 1. Uh, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And guess who came along with them? Yeah. Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. And then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? And then the Lord said to Satan, I'm going to the next verse, there verse 12. Behold, all that he has is in your hand only against him. Do not stretch out your hand. 
And so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And you know the story what happened. How he attacked Job. Look at the Bible, the word of God. That Job came under intense, powerful attack of Satan and his forces. Even his wife said to Job, forget it Job. Curse God and move on. His family was affected. The, the, the onslaught was immense and so powerful that it brought Job down to so much of discouragement in his life. But in the end, because of his faith in this great God, God restored Job and blessed him abundantly. And Satan was able to go only that far because he cannot proceed beyond the, the, the way that God would want him to go. There's a restraint on him. So, here, so here we see God. God was, uh, God, God was at work in, in in the life of Job, and Satan caused havoc. The second account is Peter. In Luke chapter twenty-two, when Jesus was in the upper room, he turned to Peter. This is God's word, and it says, "This Simon, Simon, behold." Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Have a think about that. Satan demanded to have you. Think about these five words for a moment. Satan demanded to have you. What a telling statement. Jesus mentions Satan and Satan has demanded to have you and put you through the sieve. You see, it is the shifting of wheat, which is repeatedly swift and violent, shifting of the wheat from side to side in a sieve. And Jesus warned Peter of what was going to come. And Jesus said to Peter, I have prayed for you. And how did Peter respond to this statement by Jesus? Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. He had the best intention. He had a willing spirit. But his flesh was weak and he did not realize this. And Jesus said to Peter, I tell you Peter, Luke chapter 22, God's word. Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. You see Satan's strategy, friends. Peter was a tough guy, was he not? A strong fisherman. He left everything to follow Jesus. But this Peter was sifted like a sea in a sieve. By Satan to deny Jesus. And the point is, brothers and sisters in Christ, that there is an adversary, as Paul speaks here in this passage in Ephesians chapter 6, a ruler, an authority, a cosmic power, a spiritual force of evil at work. So don't be surprised when Satan tempts us and brings destruction to God's work. Sometimes it is overtly played out in the life of the church. Other times it is covertly played out behind the scenes to cause unnecessary disruptions. Why do I say this? Let, let me point out to you. Paul, Silas and Timothy wanted to visit the church at Thessalonica. But something happened. Something happened in this place. See the text. But since we were torn away from you brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But what happened here? 
Satan hindered us. He hindered us. He hindered the work. You see, we don't have, a, uh, have any record of as to how this took place. One suggestion is that Satan raised such a storm of protest against the preaching of the gospel at Berea and other places that it was wise to put off the trip to Thessalonica. Whatever the reason, friends, we see that Satan hindered the work of the gospel. And Charles Spurgeon, in his excellent little book titled Spiritual Warfare in a Believer's Life, in chapter 8, speaks about satanic hindrances. And this is what he says there. Uh, five, five things here. Those who are just coming to Jesus Christ, Satan will hinder that process. How many times uh, I, I sometimes thought to go and talk to an individual about the gospel, you make the appointment, and as the time comes on, something comes along the way and takes us away. And I think, what is going on here? When you are sincerely in prayer, the temptation to, to, to stop or something will cross your mind and take you away from that praying. When Christians are planning any good work, a work of the gospel, in our outreach perhaps, whatever that work might be, there could be an hindrance. This is what, what Spurgeon says. When, when you have entered into the work, that could be a problem as well. As the gospel begins to grow, as the church begins to grow, there could be issues. And it will come from left field. When seeking to unite each other, Satan gets there and causes problems. We've been working through 1 Corinthians uh, in our evening services. And what do we see in the first few chapters of 1 Corinthians? Division in the church. You see, the Bible tells us this, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. You see, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. See, that's why the Bible tells us, if you have something against your brother or sister, go and speak to that person directly. Talk to the person. Don't be a whisperer. If you've got something against me, your pastor, come and see me. I'm always available. But if you keep talking to each other, it becomes a real problem. Because it becomes the ground for Satan to come in and to cause unnecessary things. None of us here can claim absolute perfection, can you? We'll be only perfect in heaven. Right? But that doesn't mean we must not strive to be righteous and do everything right. But where there are issues, confront them and speak to them. And deal with it. See, Satan can cause unnecessary problems in this area. Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, uh, commenting on, on Christian warfare, makes the following observation. Uh, one of the first things, therefore, that we, we all have to learn in the Christian life is to know ourselves. You must get to know your weaknesses and your tendencies. And then, once you have known them and can watch them, you are already a long way towards a complete victory over the, over the devil and his wiles. See, think of Peter, friends. He said he will go all the way with Jesus, but he ended up denying Jesus three times. Uh, think of David. What happened to David and his adultery? It all began, it all began with a walk in the balcony on the cool of the night. The guys were at war. The king should have been concerned about it. 
All he did is he went for a walk on his balcony on the rooftop garden. Must have been a magnificent lookout from there. And certainly, who did he see? He, see a, he saw a woman, Bathsheba. And she was beautiful, the Bible tells us. And you know the rest of the story, right? There was adultery. You see, know our weaknesses. We, you see, we can't, of course, uh, blame Satan for our own foolishness. For example, if I drive over the speed limit and get stopped by the police, uh, I can't blame it on Satan. <laughs> uh, excuse me, officer, Satan caused me to drive uh, 120 k's on 80 kilometer drive, you know. It's not my fault, actually. You go and have a chat to him. <laughs> I don't think that will work. <laughs> right. So the point is, we have to know our weaknesses. So why be strong in the Lord? Look at our text here. Paul is saying, be strong in the Lord. Because we are weak, correct? We are no match to Satan and his powers. And Paul says here in this passage, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. No wonder Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Be in, the second thing is, what to say is, that is to be encouraged in his power. We have to be encouraged by, in his power. How do we do this thing? By putting on the armor of God. I touched on this last week. We looked at it uh, in, in, in somewhat length. Uh, and secondly, by his mighty power. The armor is God's armor. Six things Paul speaks of in this passage. The belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. The shoes with the gospel of peace. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit. The one offensive weapon here. The sword of the spirit. The word of God. So my dear friends. We have the belt of truth. We stand firm in that. We have the breastplate of righteousness. You know the breastplate protects the vital organs in your body. And so also for us we need to have that breastplate. Uh, and, and, and there so that it protects us spiritually in Christ. The shoes ready with the gospel of peace. The shield of faith because sometimes... You will get arrows that will come your way. Bang, bang, bang. Have you had those experiences? They just come and hit you. And you put the shield of faith. And say, God, I am standing here, not by my strength, as your word tells me, the scriptures tell me, I hold the shield of faith. By trusting you. And so Paul uses that analogy of the Roman soldier. Well equipped. And so it is also the case for the Christian and the church. We must be on guard that we can stand firm. Notice verse 13. Therefore take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. The question is, what is this evil day? One writer puts it this way. The evil day points to critical times in believers' lives when demonic hostility is at its worst. That is for sure, friends. Because there are days when it does not just rain, but it pours. Have you had those days? Someone said to me in our growth group, it's like birds, they keep coming down, one after the other. And whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. They keep coming down. And how do you stand? There are some days that Satan can attack you just like that. And he keeps 
bombarding you and bombarding you and brings you to points of great discouragement. It doesn't take much to discourage someone, right? It doesn't take much. In fact, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, one of the great tools of the enemy is discouragement. You see someone doing a great job, go and discourage that person. And it will just sap the energy out of the person. Discouragement is a tool in the hand of Satan. And so Paul says here, be aware, withstand in the evil day, when the attacks from Satan are full on, and when the satanic attacks come with extraordinary force. Paul is alerting here, in the text here, in God's word, the church to stand firm. How? In his mighty power. Be strong, be made strong, be strengthened. How is this done? We don't strengthen ourselves by our self-making powers. No, it is being strengthened by God himself with power through his spirit. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, Ephesians 3.16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So being strengthened inside through the spirit. We are no match to Satan and his forces, but the Spirit of God is. Stand firm. Christ is. See, there's an incredible story in Matthew chapter uh, 8, 28 to 34. Uh, Jesus heals two men with demons. You, you, you have a look at that story in, in Matthew chapter 8. I'm not going to read it. The, 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 the demons were there. Have you, and, and when they saw Jesus... They said, have you come here to torment us before time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged Jesus, saying, if you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the entire herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. They couldn't confront Jesus. Because he was standing there as king of kings, the lord of lords, Christ himself. I still remember uh, at a church service, uh, the pastor was preaching and then when he had finished, uh, we sang this song, uh, In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. I don't know whether you know that one. Maybe some of you know. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Demons will have to flee. That's my singing coming out, isn't it? You see, demons will have to flee. And, 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 and when, when that song was being sung, there was a woman there who started shouting in the service. And she was uncontrollable. I still remember it as if it was yesterday. And the pastor and the elders had to deal with that lady in the service. You see, Jesus is our strength, our source, and our sufficiency. And that's what the text here is reminding us. Paul is saying here in our passage, finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. You see, this is the power of God that, that actually raised Christ from the dead. The Apostle Paul says that clearly in our passage, uh, in, in, in Ephesians. This is what we see, for example... Ephesians 1, 20, 21. 
in, and is incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. You see, that is the power. See, Jesus has defeated Satan, sin and the grave. However, in his sovereign plan, while he has defeated Satan, he has not yet destroyed him. And although Satan is a defeated enemy, he refuses to lay down. And so someone might ask the question, why doesn't God do away with these spiritual forces of darkness? A good question, right? Why doesn't he do away with Satan altogether? Well, John Piper puts it this way. The glory of Christ is seen in his absolute right and power to annihilate or incapacitate Satan and all demons. But the reason he refrains from destroying and disabling them altogether is to manifest more clearly his superior beauty and worth. If Christ obliterated all devils and demons now, which he could do, his sheer power would be seen as glorious. But his superior beauty and worth would not shine as brightly as when humans renounce the promises of Satan and take pleasure in the greater glory of Christ. That's a great statement. And so I read, though Satan has been mortally wounded, he is still prowling around like a roaring lion. 1 Peter chapter 5, 8 and 9, God's word. And Peter says, resist him. So friends, this morning, in summary what we see here is, there is a spiritual warfare and we are to put on God's armor. We have looked at two areas, to be strong in the Lord as we have in our passage here this morning and to be encouraged in his power. You see, don't be discouraged by the onslaughts of the enemy. We pray and we cry to the Lord when the attacks come our way, whatever it may be, that we stand strong, not in ourselves, correct? Because by ourselves we will crumble. But we stand strong in Christ as Paul says, we trust him. Lord, this thing I can't handle. This thing is too big for me. I am trusting in your power. Strengthen me with your spirit. So that I may stand and be able to stand firm when those attacks come my way. Because you are my strength. You are my sufficiency. God says my grace is sufficient for you. Correct? That's what it is. So, in conclusion, if we try to go to war with Satan in our own strength, in our own wisdom and power, we will be defeated. That is why the passage here reminds us and tells us to put on the full armor of God 24-7. Without the protection of our Savior Jesus, we have no hope of withstanding the evil cosmic spiritual forces. Don't be surprised when Satan puts his attacks upon you. Don't be surprised. Know that you and I, as we put our faith in Christ, that no one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. What a comforting blessing that is, isn't it? An assurance. John chapter 10 verse 29. My Father as, who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one, get this, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. 
That's the assurance we have. See, Jesus, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, has inaugurated his kingdom, but he has not yet consumed it. And Satan will assault us until that final day. And as Paul says here in our text here, there will be an ongoing battle. The day will come when we with our master shall ride triumphant through the streets of the new Jerusalem because Revelation 20 verse 10 and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. What a day that will be until such a day comes these forces will be at work. Let us not be discouraged, but rather today we say, Lord, as your word tells me, I want to put on the armor of God and I want to be strong in you and in your mighty power. The, the Greek word there is, is, is a word that is of, of might, of, of power, of, of, of strength. That's what we see here. And we stand with Jesus battling for you and for me. We say, Lord, I am trusting you. We sang that hymn this morning. My shield and my defender. And so we go forth in the name of Jesus. Proclaiming that Jesus reigns. May God encourage our hearts this morning. As we study his word and live for his glory and by his power, and by his strength, every day. Amen. Let's close. Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you that we can have it read and explained freely in our nation. We pray that you help us, Lord, to be men and women studying your word, to be equipped to face all the challenges of Satan, the forces of darkness, as we read in your word. The authorities principalities, powers of this dark world. Help us, Lord, to stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In Jesus' name, amen.